Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes, North America. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Rabbi Alex Israel on Parashat Mishpatim. Pardes Learning Seminar this summer will be in Jerusalem, a five-day experience with some of Pardes' finest faculty. If you've thought about studying with us during the summer, this is your opportunity. For more details, please visit pardes.org.il forward slash seminar. And now, here is Rabbi Alex Israel. Shalom, this is Alex Israel. So this week, Parashat Mishpatim, I would like to discuss a topic which I think relates to our public discourse. I think many of us feel that our public discourse, whether it's the way politicians talk, whether it's talkbacks on internet pages, um, it's become aggressive, it's become shrill, it's become um, in- insulting. And we sometimes worry about the, the way that public discourse has, has turned. And I would argue that there is a pasuk, there is a verse in this week's parsha which wants to address the way we talk in the public space. And maybe we're going to slowly, slowly unfold the layers of this verse because there's a lot of ambiguity in this verse. So if, we, if, you, if you bear with me, hopefully we'll be able to develop it. Here we go. The verse is a really short one. It says, chapter 22, verse 27, Elohim Now generally the way we translate it is, Elohim don't curse God. And don't curse the president amongst your people. And that seems like a fine translation, but then the question would be this. Uh, what's Don't curse God, don't curse the president? What's the relationship between God and a national leader? Nasi, the word Nasi in modern English means a president. In Parashat Vayikra, Nasi is used for the national leader. The person who is the prime minister or the or the king or whoever it might be. So why would we put these two together? And now we'll get a second surprise because when you look at the early commentators, the Unklus, the Ibn Ezra, the Rashbam, um, they don't interpret the word Elohim to mean God. They don't call it Elohim Lotekalel, but rather Elohim, and they translate it as a judge. So, for example, if you if we read the Rashbam, the Rashbam is going to say the following: Elohim Lotekalel. Because both kings and judges are judging people in the area of monetary and even capital cases. And therefore, people want to curse them. People take out their rage against the government. They take out their rage against the tax authorities. Somebody has just fined them. Somebody has just um, found them guilty in court and therefore what will they do? They will curse the judges. They'll curse the Dayan, they'll curse the Elohim, the authorities. And therefore he wants to read it, don't curse the judges. Don't curse the government. But why would the word Elohim mean a judge? By the way, Rashi, you know, we always go to Rashi first. Rashi retains the ambiguity. He says, Elohim lotakalel, don't curse God, or don't curse the judge. He says both. 
It's a warning to Birchad Hashem, it's a warning to cursing God, and also it is a warning about the authorities within society. So what's the connection here? How do we get to this idea that Elohim might mean a judge? So let's go into that word Elohim and what it might mean. Because of course the word Elohim is a plural of the word El. And what does the word El mean? Interestingly enough, it, it, it seems not limited to the notion of a deity. Uh, sometimes it is. For example, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had the Pasuk, Mi chamocha ba'ilim Hashem, right? Who are you amongst the gods? But in truth, the word elim simply means a force, a power. Of course, in the pagan world, many of the gods were forces of nature. And therefore, elim means the forces. There's a fascinating verse um, in chapter 31 of Breshit where Jacob is running away from Lavan. God appears to Lavan and tells him not to harm Yaakov. And when Lavan eventually meets Yaakov, he says, Do I have the power to do you any harm? El simply means power. And because the gods in a pagan world were frequently the powers within nature, so Elim became powers, they became gods. And therefore, when we call our God, we call him yud but when he's referred to as Elohim, he's the God of the totality of nature. God is the master of all powers and all forces within nature. And maybe that's why the name Elohim is used in chapter one, in the creation chapter, when God is setting up nature, it always says, Vayomer Elohim, because God there is the God of nature. So to summarize, the term El isn't exclusive to God. El is simply indicative of force or power. And this can refer to all sorts of types of forces. But therefore, since, and I'll here I'll quote a Rashi from Breshit, chapter 6, where he says, Every time the word Elohim comes up in the Tanakh, it is actually a language of authority. So Elohim means authority figures. And indeed, we've already seen, if you read through Parshat Mishpatim, several times that Elohim seems to refer not to God, but to the court. I'll give you two examples. The first one is in the beginning of chapter 21, when we talk about the Israelite slave. We talk about the Ebed Ivri. And there, usually the slave is meant to go free. Six years he works, and in the seventh he goes free. However, if this slave decides he wants to stay, you have to pierce his ear. And there the phrase is, chapter 21, verse 6, You shall bring, his master shall bring him to the Elohim. And put him by the door and pierce his ear. Of course, who is the Elohim? What does it mean? Take him to God, to the door? Does God live at the door? Rashi says, El ha Elohim, you take him to Beit Din. This isn't something you do at home. This is something you do in the presence of the court. Likewise, later on in the parasha, in chapter 22, we have a case where two people are arguing over property. Uh, for example, let's say for, let's say you deposited something with me. You said, I'm going away for the weekend. Could you please look after my laptop? 
And you come back after the weekend and say, could you give me my laptop back? And I say, what laptop? You didn't give me a laptop. And you say, I, I certainly did. And I say, no, you didn't. And you suspect that I've actually sort of taken a liking to your laptop and I've stolen it. So you, we can both go to the court. And the phrase here is, Ata Elohim Yavodavar Shnehem. Um, you, you both go to Elohim. In fact, Asher Yarshion Elohim Yishalem Shnei Murehu. And if Elohim finds you guilty, you will have to pay twice. So who is the Elohim there? The answer is, you go to the court, you go to the police or whoever it is, and they investigate the case. And if they find that, in fact, I have misappropriated your laptop, then I will pay as if I'm a thief. So what I'm saying is, if you look at chapter 21, verse 6, if you look at chapter 22, verse uh, 8, you will find Elohim relates to the courts and does not necessarily relate to God. Now this, I have to say, is fascinating. Is there really a relationship between the notion of judging and the notion of godliness? Let's, let's put it this way. Um, I find it fascinating that the word for God and the word for judge seem to be totally superimposed. And when I'm thinking about this, this totally throws me into a psalm that we say on a weekly basis. It's a psalm, um, Psalm 82. Mizmor Asaf, Elohim Nitzav Ba'adat El. It in fact is the psalm for Tuesdays. We say it every Tuesday at the end of Shacharit. And let me just read a few lines from it. It says this, Elohim Nitzav Ba'adat El. God stands in the assembly of God. Bekerev Elohim Yishpot, he stands amongst the divine beings. And admittedly, there's a discussion about this line, but most of the commentaries say that really what it means is God stands amongst the judges. God is judging the judges. And what does he say to them? Let's listen. I'm reading from Psalm 82. I'll read it in English. How long will you judge perversely, showing favor to the wicked? Judge the wretched and the orphan, vindicate the lowly and the poor, rescue the wretched and the needy, save them from the hand of the wicked. End of quote. In other words, God is judging the judges who are called here Elohim. And he says, you're not, you're not looking out for the poor people in society. Your justice isn't any justice. You're always looking to favor the rich. You're not looking to protect the poor and the, and, and, the, and the vulnerable. And then he says, I made you Elohim. I made you authority figures. And you are supreme in society. But then what does he say? But you are not gods. You will die as men do, like any prince. And it ends off by saying, Arise, O God, Judge the earth, for all the nations are in your possession. The Malbim comments on this chapter, and he says, why are the judges called divine beings? Why are they called sons of the Most High? And he says like this, and I'll quote the Malbim, just as God's actions bring the world into being and mankind into existence, it is the work of the law and the judiciary to sustain mankind and the world itself. Because human beings are social in nature, it's impossible that people within society will not have conflicts and disputes. 
that there won't be oppression and violence. However, these threaten and undermine the very cohesion of collective living, the very fabric of society. If there is no law or regulating norm, no law or judicial powers, then it will fall apart. From this aspect, one may see judges as if they were gods, creators of worlds, because they are the partners of God. God created the world and they sustain it. And hence, the rabbis in the Talmud say, Every judge who pronounces a true judgment, he is considered as if he is a partner to God in the creation of the world. End of quote. In other words, the name Elohim for a judge is much more than a linguistic connection. The notion of godliness lies at the very heart of the judiciary, because they are the people who sustain the world. And, and I'm thinking about that wonderful Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, which talks about pray for the goodness of government. Because if it were not for the fear of it, people would eat each other alive. This is Rabbi Chalina Skana Kohanim. He's not even talking about a Jewish government here. And he's saying we need to pray for our government and for the integrity of our government and for the force of law within our government because if we don't have government, then society falls apart. God brought a world into being, but it's the judges and it's the politicians and it's the people who keep our society together who sustain our world. So this is a warning um, that we have to cultivate and we have to care for the force of the law within our society in a very, very delicate way. And this is not something, it's something we've got to appreciate. And I think, I won't go into details, but I think there have been certain events in the last few years which have really made some of us a little nervous about fabric of democracies um, really being ruptured. And this Elohim, Lota Kalel, don't even curse the judges, don't curse the government, that we've got to actually preserve our government. Here I want to turn to a comment of Rav Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, the famed Rosh Yeshiva of Velazhin, uh, a Zionist, uh, fabulous commentator. And he sees this, uh, the narrow application of cursing a judge or king. He says it's, it's not just, he wants to widen it to an ethical imperative regarding all sorts of incitement, all sorts of dangerous language especially regarding authority figures and national leadership. He says, and I quote, He says, the, the norm is that the public will look for faults and flaws in the leadership, to criticize, to malign, and to humiliate them. And he quotes a pasuk from Mishle, which says, fear the Lord, my son, and the king, and do not mix with dissenters. And he continues and says, this refers to people who seek to change the leadership agenda. And here the Torah instructs regarding any person in a position of authority, don't scorn, don't put them down. People have a tendency to try to bring down any leader who fails to satisfy their own interests. But it should be understood, he says, that similarly, one is prohibited from deriding any Jew. Asur or rare, call Adam Israel. You're not allowed to curse any individual. 
Elias Himalala Sibiotari says, we've got to be careful of the way we talk about every person. But the leader is singled out because people are more prone to this practice and because it breaks down the essence of society. So we're not just dealing here, according to the Nasiv, with the technical problem of curses, but with any sense of verbal assault, ridicule, and we're not even only talking about the leader. Um, we are talking about any person. We can confront a person, we can challenge their policies, but and we can engage in debate, but it shouldn't get personal. Personal attacks are exactly the curse that we're talking about, and that's what ruptures society. I want to finish with one last commentator. I'm talking about Rav David Svi Hoffman, the famous uh, German scholar and commentator. And he makes a lovely comment here. He says that the verses which precede this injunction of Elohim lo tekalel v'nasiba amcha lo ta'or are all talking about the poor and the vulnerable. Kol ger v'yatom al ta'anun. You shall not ill-treat any widow or orphan. If you mistreat them, says God, I will heed their outcry as soon as they cry out to me. Uh, my anger shall blaze forth, etc., etc. So the previous verses of talking about talking about money lending to the poor and talking about the poor crying out, people who don't have clothing, etc. And suddenly, in the very next verse, we start talking about the leader, the Nasi. We're talking about judges. And here's what he has to say here. And it's fascinating. He says, the Torah forbids any sort of extremes when it comes to injustice. And in the same way as it says that you're not allowed to embarrass or to humiliate the poor out of a sense of um, pity for the poor, it also needs to consider the honor of the wealthy or the ruling classes. And he says in every single society, sometimes there are vulnerable people, people who are impoverished, or people who are, you know, foreign workers, widows, orphans. But at the sun, at the other time, other side of the other extreme, there are judges and there is government. And he says there are evil people who want to take advantage or want to bring down either side. And the Torah is there to try and protect everybody equally. And I found this really fascinating that he's talking here about an ethic in which Really, we have to not take sides. <laughs> the idea isn't to take sides with any particular group within society. Obviously, we must ensure there is justice, but sometimes uh, either side are vulnerable. Um, leaders can be vulnerable to irresponsible speech. Uh, in the same way, leaders can be irresponsible in their speech, and uh, common people uh, can suffer as a result. So I come back to where I began. I love it that the Torah has this tremendous sensitivity, number one, to the forces of government and the forces of justice within society, and to understand that they need protection, that sometimes judges need protection, that we've got to be careful how we talk about them, and that sometimes uh, the institutions of government that we have can be more fra fragile than we imagine. At the same time, I think it's a call for us in all quarters uh, to not allow ourselves to slide and deteriorate into that place where we abuse um, the language that is a gift from God and that we malign the people around us because that sort of uh, violent language, aggressive language, is indeed uh, something which uh, can corrode the very structure of society upon which we all stand. Shabbat Shalom and thank you for listening. 
thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. You can follow us on Spotify or at elmod.pardes.org for the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. Be sure to tune in next week as Rabbi David Levin Cruz discusses Parashat Tulma. Thanks for listening.